So if you please turn to your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verse 12. Now, just to give us a little bit of a context, the background of this passage, uh, this was written by the Apostle Paul to, obviously, Timothy. And so Timothy was a young man going into the ministry like I am, and he was going to take over a church that the Apostle Paul had started. And so as he was going out, he was a young guy like me, a young punk, you know. He was going to that church, and there was a lot of, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of older, mature Christians, Christians that have been saved for a lot longer than Timothy possibly has ever been born. And the Apostle Paul knew that there might be some, some difficulty in that way. You know, a lot of older people, they think they're a lot more mature and better. And, and the Apostle Paul knew that Timothy was probably going to face some trials and some struggles just because he was so much younger than they were. So the Apostle Paul tells Timothy ways in which he can be an example to those older people and to people that were younger than him, how he can be a spiritual example. Because your age doesn't, doesn't determine your spiritual maturity. Age has nothing to do with it. So let's take a look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer's in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So here I see five or six ways in which Apostle Paul tells Timothy which he can be an example. Now, every single one of us in this room here tonight, we are an example. Whether you like it or not, you are an example to someone, whether it be your grandkids, whether it be your son or your daughter, or whether it be your coworkers. Every single one of us in here. We are an example to someone, and someone is always watching us. And you know what? There's either two different examples. There's either a good example or there's a bad example. Now, I've been privileged to have a lot of good examples in my life. I've had good spiritual examples with my parents and also the pastors that we've had here over the years. I've had uh, good examples as far as work ethic, my grandparents, and also my parents as well, you know, telling me to do everything that I do the glory of God, and always do my best no matter what I'm doing. But with those good examples, you also have some bad examples. And my bad example, especially when I was younger, was my sister, Caitlin. <laughs> she was not always the best example. There was one day we were at my grandfather's house, my grandparents' house and in Greenville, South Carolina. And so they had a house, and they had a little hill, and my, my dad and my grandpa were working outside in the yard that day. They were getting some, some work done. And so my sister and I were just playing around, messing around in my dad's F-150. So she was up there by the wheel and being the bossy sister that she is, she was telling me what to do. She's like, oh yeah, press that wheel, press this wheel. So I was sitting down, three years old, I was sitting down here pressing the wheels. She was up six years old, kind of messing around with the steering wheel. And all of a sudden, like I said, it was on a hill. All of a sudden, we popped the truck in neutral. Like I said, we were on the top of a hill. He had a pond down at the bottom of that hill, and we started headed straight down that hill. And thankfully, that truck didn't go into the pond. I know, sorry for the disappointment. But my dad ran over, pulled it, got it parked, put on the emergency brakes, and we were saved. You know what? That day, Caitlin wasn't the greatest example. She almost got me killed. So whether you like it or not, we are an example. The question is whether you're going to be a good example or a bad example. 
So these six ways that the Apostle Paul tells Timothy that he can be an example, we can apply these six things to our lives. So let's take a look at the six words. It says, first of all, it says, he can be an example in his words, in his conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Six ways in which we can be an example to the world, to the unsaved world around us. So let's first take a look at how we can be an example in our words. Now we've all heard of the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm pretty sure the man who made up that statement was just belittling how much words actually mean and how much they can hurt. You see, bones, when they break, they'll eventually heal. But words tend to leave scars, and scars never heal. If you talk to some people, they would say there's no greater physical pain that I ever could have gone through that was worse than what this person said to me or how they hurt them. You see, those words can leave scars in their lives. So we need to be careful with what we say at all times. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 through 37, this is actually Jesus speaking. It says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You see, one day there's going to be a day that comes that we are going to give an account for every single word that we say here on this earth. And I like to also think we're also probably going to give an account for those words that we didn't say that we should have said. You see, what kind of words are we speaking here today? Are we just kind of talking just for talking's sake? Or do we have a purpose behind those words that we speak? What are we speaking? Are we using our words to tear other people's down? Are we using our words to lift others up? The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that I may minister grace unto the hearers. You see, it's easy to see all the faults and the failures and how some uh, people aren't necessarily meeting uh, up to your expectations. It's easy to see that and to just belittle them, berate them, and just uh, talk about all the bad things that they do. But yet, sometimes... We just need to be there to encourage them. You know, we need to be there to edify them, to lift them up, not always just tear them down all the time. Now, it's not necessarily wrong all the time. Sometimes these people do need to know. Trust me, I've gotten that a lot. (laughs) People do need to know when they're doing wrong and how we can fix that. But it doesn't have to be constantly all the time, just belittling others, berating others all the time. No, we need to take our words and we need to help lift others up sometimes. You see, the Bible also says that literally death and life is found in the tongue. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You see, your tongue can literally give out life, or it can give out death itself. You see, your tongue can be used to go out and tell tell other people about Jesus, to give out the gospel that will bring life eternal. But you know that same exact tongue that can bring life eternal can also draw people away from God. You know, if you're a Christian living the way that you're supposed to, other people should see God in you. They should know that you're a Christian. They should know what you're all about. But how do we use our words? Sometimes those words, they know that you're a Christian, but yet maybe you use some language or you just are so down on some people all the time with what you say to them that it just pushes them away from God. You say, you know what, if this person's a Christian, I don't want any part of it. 
But you see, we got to be careful with what those words say because that could bring death to them for all eternity. They might, be, they might not be saved. Those words that you say might draw them or keep them further away from God, and that will be all on you. You see, the blood could be on your hands when they get to heaven. Our words are so powerful. Our words are so strong. They can literally either bring life or death. So what are your tongues speaking? Is it speaking life eternal or is it speaking death? You see, even commandment number three has to do with our words. I'm sure we all know it. It says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, this is a big one, especially nowadays with all the media and movies and all these various ways that we get entertainment. You know, it seems like I can't walk outside of my house for five minutes, ten minutes, turn on the radio and heard some a curse word or taking the name of the Lord in vain or watching a movie. You see, there's so many different various avenues to, to just hear that. And people just use it flippantly. And it, it's sad to see, but even Christians nowadays think it's all right to just take the name of the Lord in vain. Oh, it's not a big deal. You know, he knows I'm not using it in vain. It's all right. It's okay. But no, that's commandment number three. We're breaking the commandment when we keep, take the Lord's name in vain. You see, just by not using some words will make you stand out in a crowd. I do uh, carpentry for during the summer and the winter times over the past about six years. And uh, we've heard the statement that, that uh, swearing like a sailor. Well, that obviously means that sailors probably swear a lot. I don't know. I've never met any pirates before. But I'm pretty sure that carpenters would give sailors a pretty good run for their money with how much swearing I hear today. Uh, but you know what, when I work with those guys and when my dad and my brother work with those guys, they see that, you know what, these guys aren't swearing, it seems like every other word. These guys aren't doing that like we are. They're not involved in the things that we are. You know what, just not saying some words helps us stand out in the crowd. And I've been able to witness to coworkers just based off of not saying some words. And they know, they know it's wrong because when I work with them, they They'll just shut up, won't say anything around me. But when they get away from me, when they get with their buddies, oh, man, it's every other word all the time, all the time. See, look, they even know it's wrong. But yet some Christians are just using their language flippantly, like it's no big deal, taking the Lord's name in vain. No, we need to, this is a serious matter, and we need to make it, take it seriously. It's commandment number three. We are, finally, we need to recognize that our words are ultimately a reflection of what is in our hearts. The Bible says in Matthew 12, verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see, if, if we have a problem with our tongue, whether it's tearing other people down, it's not edifying, more than likely, it's not necessarily a problem with the tongue, but it's a problem with the heart. We need to make sure we get our heart right first, then everything else will follow. You see, I feel like we need to pray the prayer like David did in, in Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, when he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. See, we need to pray daily that the Lord would take our tongue and that we'd use it to edify others, that it would bring life to others. So first of all, we saw that Timothy can be an example in his words, and he can stand out in a crowd with his words. Second of all, we see that he can stand out, he can be an example in his conversation. 
Now, this word conversation doesn't actually have to do with speaking. I was looking at it, and you know, if you read through the Bible really quickly, like a lot of times we tend to do, you think, okay, words, conversation, okay, it's just saying words again. Well, actually, the word conversation here doesn't refer to how we speak, but it refers to how we act or how we behave. You see, I would like to say a majority of us in here are probably Christians. So a majority of us in here are Christians, but how many of us actually act like it? You see, Christianity nowadays tries to seem to walk in the fence, walk in the line of the world and godliness in the Bible. You see, we're kind of teetering, tottering, acting like it's, well, you know, we have that music because it'll bring people in. We do this this way because it's just what the, what the world likes. But no, we can't be teeter-tottering back and forth. How we behave will stand out in and of itself. You see, if we're a Christian, we need to act like it. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, chapter 22, or Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, it says, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, God has saved us from that world of sin. Yeah, many of us want to just dabble in it a little bit. Oh, it's just this one song. It's just this, you know, one movie. It's just this one little thing over here. We kind of like to dabble in it, kind of kind of experiment with it, seeing, you know, is this right or wrong? Oh, I don't know. It's kind of the, the gray area. No, it's either right or it's wrong. You see, many of us are just kind of teeter-tottering, and we're acting like the world, yet we're saying we're saved, yet we love the world. And, and it, it is hard. It is hard. The world is enticing. The world is, you know, inviting. But yet we need to deny that, deny ourselves, and put on that godliness. God made us into a new man. He, robed, uh, he clothed us closed us with the robes of righteousness. And yet many of us like to take on those dirty rags that we had on before when we were the old man. You see, that's wrong. And, and you know, many of you may say, well, Thomas, you know, it's not the outward appearance. It's not what we do on the outside that matters. It's what's on the heart that really counts. And sure, that's true to a certain extent. Yes, God sees the heart, but you know who doesn't see the heart? You know who sees the outside? Are your coworkers? Are those that are unsaved out in this world? They can't see your heart. They don't know that you're a Christian. What they do see is your works. So if you're going to court today, say Christianity is, is illegal in America, you have no say in it. And yet you go to court and they say, you know what? They bring in your coworkers and you can't say anything. And they say, hey, is this man a Christian? Are they going to know that you are a Christian based on your works? Are they going to say, oh, no, he's, I mean, he's just like me. He goes to the same places that I go. He listens to the same things that I do. He goes to the same places that I go. Oh, no, he's not a Christian. You see, that's where Christianity, a lot of Christianity is, is headed towards today, just being like the world and think it's normal. It's not, and it's, it is wrong. You see, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance. There it is. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. So man sees the outward appearance. So what are they going to do? They see you and say, yeah, that person's a Christian. Or they see you and be like, eh, you know, he's, he's just another one of us. And I've actually had the opportunity, again, I work. There was a man that I just started working with this summer. He, I was on his crew. And 
he knew that I go to church, and I and I mentioned my church every once in a while, and, and mentioned some things whenever I could. And he would he would ask me, he's like, "Hey, what kind of music does your church have?" And I say, "Well, we're you know conservative. We have an orchestra, we have a piano and an organ." And he's like, "Oh, huh, that's that's interesting." He says, "Like my." mom her church in in michigan they have like a this is his words he's like oh they have a full-on band full-on like rock concert there and you know what it even pinched his nerve he knew it was wrong you see even the unsaved know you know what christians are supposed to act like how christians are supposed to be yet it seems like christians are acting like they don't even know what how they're supposed to be and yet the unsaved can even see it so when are we going to get to the point where we see sin how it is and call it how it is. How about we just don't stop, you know, going back and forth on the line of the world and on godliness and righteousness and just jump on the side of godliness. Quit teeter-tottering back and forth. So first of all, we can see we can be different in our words. Second of all, we can stand out in our conversation and how we behave. Third, we can stand out in charity. Now, this word charity here means love or affection and benevolence. You see, there's nothing more powerful in this world than love, the love of Jesus Christ. You see, it was because of God's love that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And because of that, we, if we just simply believe on him, we can be saved. You see, there's no greater thing than the love of God. But what are we doing with the love that God has given us? Are we going out? Are we showing the world the love that Christ has so graciously given to us? In Romans 5, verse 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see, if we're not showing the love of God to others, it's nobody else's fault but ours. God has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us love overflowing in our hearts. What we do with that is up to us. Uh, going to college, I I get to see a bunch of people from a, a bunch of different churches around the country. And it's sad to see how many churches of friends of mine, I'd be asking them, oh, yeah, what church do you go to? And they're like, eh, not really any anymore. You see, my church split. You know why? Because they couldn't love each other. These Christians couldn't love each other. They split just because they couldn't love each other. Their whole church is in turmoil, and it just shut down because the Christians can love each other. See, what a shame it is to see that happen. And it's happening at an alarming rate. And you know what's even worse is when we have been given so much love. God has shown us the love that he gave us his son. And we know that. We've accepted it. But we don't go out and we don't tell others. My, uh, one of my professors up at school one time, he showed us a video of a Magician. He was a magician and a pretty, pretty famous one. And he was, he just did a video talking about how someone had given him a track in a Bible. Now, this magician, he was a full-on atheist. Like he'd said it outright. He says, I don't believe in any of that God stuff. But he went far enough to the point to make a video talking about this man who was a Christian who gave him a track. He came up after the show and he said, Here, I just want to give you this Bible and this track. Shows what Jesus did for you, and he left him his number. He said, if you got any questions, let me know. And it pierced this man so much, that atheist, that he said, you know what? I don't believe in any of this, but those of you who do, 
why aren't you telling others? Why aren't you going out and showing them how they can be saved? He wasn't mad at the guy. He was actually appreciative that the guy would actually do that. He says, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them the gospel if you really believe it? He said, that's like a freight train coming to hit someone, and you know that you can save them, and yet you decide not to. You see, that's pretty bad. You'd have to hate somebody pretty bad in order to do that. But yet, that's just this physical life. That's just life that's going to be here and gone. But we have something that can save somebody for all eternity. But what are we doing with it? Are we going out? Are we telling others? And that really convicted me. How an atheist could, could say that and just really convict me, saying, you know what? That's... That's right. It's like the atheist was preaching right to me, telling you, why aren't you going out and telling others? So why not us, our coworkers, those that are around us? Why don't we go out and give the good news, show love to the world around us today? And fourth, I see we can be an example in our spirits. Now, this word spirit has the idea of the way that we do things. So how what kind of Christian are you? Are you kind of just a whole home Christian that's just in church? Oh, woe is me. We get to the singing. It's like amazing. You can't even sing. You know, you're, you're just going off. You're all sad and depressed all the time. No, that's not how we should be. We should be joyful. We, should, we have the joy of the Lord in our lives. And yeah, a lot of us go around. It's just nonchalant. It's just all sad and depressed. Sometimes. I know we all have trials. We all have struggles in life. But we shouldn't be that way all the time. We have the joy of the Lord with us. You know, the one person that I can think of, and if you've ever been to a Sunday school class, I, I'm sure any if you ever heard him sing, you, you could see, that's just definitely Mr. Bob Miller, man. The joy of the Lord is definitely overflowing in his life. And it was just a joy to even, I mean, if you guys are in the... Uh, I don't, I don't want to call it the old people Sunday school class. The elderly people, the older than the young people Sunday school class over there. I'm sure you can hear him in that room. You can hear the joy just overflowing in his heart. And you know what? That's the way we should all be. We all have the joy of the Lord in our lives. He's done so much for us. We shouldn't be all so down and depressed all the time. We ought to be happy. We ought to have the joy of the Lord overflowing in our lives. And Christians are actually commanded to love. In 1 John 4, verse 20 through 21, it says, If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. See, we aren't commanded to like everyone, but we are commanded to love everyone. Why don't we be a people of love and spread that love, the love of Christ throughout the world. Finally, our, the fifth point I see, we can be an example and we can stand out in faith. And see, the word faith here means a persuasion or moral conviction. So how much faith do we have in Christ? And where is our faith uh, found and where is it grounded in? Is it just we have faith in God because, hey, I got a pretty good life. We see these uh, people in Cuba and, and see the, the great uh, just turmoil and just the depression and just how they have absolutely nothing. And yet we see, you know, we got a good life. It's, it's pretty good. And then we say, well, God, you, you blessed me. Thank you for that. But what happens if 
you say you lose your job, you lose everything that you have, is your faith going to stand strong in Jesus Christ or is it just going to go by the wayside? See, there's many great examples in the Bible that I see of men who had phenomenal faith, who had great faith. First one that I can think of is Abraham. And when he went to sacrifice Isaac, as he had been praying for the son for countless years, and God finally gave it to him. He had his son, Isaac. He was so happy. He was so overjoyed. And all of a sudden, one day, God says, you know, I want you to go offer your son, Isaac, as a sacrifice to me. And you would think, well, God, I can't do that. You know, that's, this is my seed. This is who's going to bring on the, the many nations. But yet he had so much faith in God that he went up to that mountain and he went to offer his son, his only son on that altar. He had that much faith in Christ. Another man that I can think of is Job. He literally lost everything that he owned. I looked up online to see how much stuff he owned, the amount of cattle and, and everything that he owned. He was, he was in the top 10 richest people of all time, just based on how much the cattle he had and land. And he was just the richest, possibly one of the richest men that has ever lived. And yet he lost it all. He lost his sons. He lost his daughters. He lost literally everything that he had worked for in this life. He even lost his own health. He had a wife that said, curse God and die. And yet he still had faith in God. He said, you know what? No, my faith isn't found in things that I have and, and what I do. No, it's found in Jesus Christ and him alone. No matter what, I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to keep that faith in Christ no matter what. We also have Joseph. And who had great potential, yet he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. By the way, if you're looking for a brother, I got one for sale here tonight. <laughs> He's pretty big. Uh, not the best looking, but you can play. He can do it. He's a pretty good worker. <laughs> so you got Joseph here, a man who was sold into slavery. He was put into jail. And yet so many things that seemed like it wasn't going right in his life, and yet... God did great things through his life simply because he had so much faith in God. No matter what happened, that he was going to serve God no matter what. See, there are going to be some storms in our life, but we need to stand strong and stand firm in our faith. So first of all, we can stand out and stand strong in our words, in our conversations, in our charity, in spirit, in faith. But finally, we can stand out in our purity. Now, the word purity here means cleanliness. So this could be referring to moral purity, but it can also be referring to purity as far as, in your words, conversation, charity, spirit, faith. It could be referring to the purity there as well. So how is your life? Are you, are you keeping your words pure? Is your conversation pure? What you do? Is your behavior pure? Is your charity, is your love pure? What your brothers, is your spirit pure? Is your faith pure? Is your life pure? You see, we need to live our life so pure that, as Pastor Lytel was even mentioning tonight, you know, you can go to bed at night and you can just have a peace, a peace that only God can give. You see, there's people that live so many nasty, dirty lives that they can't even get to bed, like he was even talking about tonight. They had to take pills, and many of them overdose, just because they simply don't have that pure life that they can just have peace that passes all understanding. Guys, we need to live a life that is pure so we can simply have peace of mind. So how about you guys here tonight? 
Are you standing out in these six areas? Are you standing out in your words? What you say, is your words edifying to others or is it always tearing them down? In your conversation, the way that you behave, the way that you live, can people tell that you're a Christian? Can they trust you? In charity, in your love, God has given us so much. He's given his son for us. He's given so much love to us. What are we doing to give that love to others? In spirit, are we joyful? Are we always down all the time? Let's have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. In faith, is our faith, no matter what happens, are we always keeping that faith in Jesus Christ? No matter what may happen in our life, no matter what trials, no matter what struggles in life may come, are we standing strong in our faith? And finally, in purity. We have that purity so that we can go to sleep and have peace at night. I see we need to stand strong in the six areas. So my question for you here tonight is, will you stand? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to just thank you for giving me this opportunity to preach to these folks here tonight. I pray that uh, something that I said here tonight would be uh, convicting and something that they can take and not only hear, but they can apply it to their lives, Lord. Uh, you have done so much for me in my life. I pray that you just use me to share your love to others throughout the world, Lord. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.